Yes? All right. Philippians chapter 1. D'Angelo read for us um, the scripture there, and we're going to check it out here and work our way through the text and um, and just seeing all that God has given to us in this short letter. Only four chapters. The book of Philippians, the, the, the subtitle for this is called uh, Indestructible Joy. Our world is searching for joy. And, um, and God has given to believers a joy that can't be tampered with, that can't be broken, that is truly indestructible. And, um, and as I talk to people all the time, as I experience my own life, man, uh, we are all looking for joy. Amen. And, um, and so uh, typically, you know, we, we, we like to um, look for joy in a, in a variety of places. Um, there is a book written by a sociologist called The Happiness Fantasy. The Happiness Fantasy. Fantasy. This is a sociologist, so he studied people, he's checked on people, all this sort of stuff, done all this research, and he says people typically go and search for joy or happiness in certain areas. And you know, you can kind of collate that. You can uh, you know, test people, you can poll people, all that sort of stuff. And he says there's pretty much five areas that we as human beings look for happiness or joy, but he calls it a fantasy, right? Why? Because you you know as well as I do. You can try to pursue those things, and they always end up falling short, don't they? The Bible says that God has put eternity into our hearts, and and there is an eternal hole in there that is meant to be filled. And until we fill it with Christ, we will continue to be searching. Amen? So he says these areas. Uh, We often look for joy or happiness in power. That's the first place, right? Joy comes when I have power, when I've got more power than you, and I can tell you what to do. Or when it comes, when I remove myself from all authority, right? I can't wait to get up from underneath my parents' authority. I can't wait to get up from underneath my boss's authority. Oh my goodness, my boss. I tell you what, he he or she does this and that. And man, I can't wait to get underneath from their authority. Some people want to be out from all authority. Authority of uh, governments or uh, law and all that sort of stuff. And ultimately, human beings are trying to get out from, from the true authority of God. I mean, that has been uh, since day one. Let's get out of his authority and try to be our own authority. But we know that doesn't ultimately satisfy that. The next one is potential. Joy comes when I self-actualize, when I become and fulfill everything I want to be. And and if I know I have this potential, then I'll have joy. But as soon as I think that I don't have potential anymore, as soon as I think that I'm old and washed up, you know, like Michael Jordan putting on a 45 jersey instead of the 23, and then, you know, I can't quite compete anymore. I I lose my joy. But how many know there's a joy that God gives us that no matter what our potential is, God still gives us joy. Uh, Other people, uh, another category is in productivity, right? Joy comes when I can accomplish my goals or great things, when I can produce something for the world, when I can produce something for my family. And all of a sudden, if I can't produce for my family or for my friends, then I feel like I lack joy, right? And we struggle with that when we get sick, right? You know, and, and uh, some of us have a hard time when we're sick because we feel like we can't be there for the people we're supposed to be there for, right? You know, moms never get any days off. And um, and so, you know, uh, that's the way it is. Another one is pleasure. Joy comes when I feel pleasure on my own terms and I look for the next experience of happiness or the next experience of happiness and I keep going trying to seek pleasure. And then finally, he says uh, another broad category is perspective. Joy comes when I just have a positive attitude and I just think positive thoughts all the time. And then I just go like this. 
la, 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 and I block out all the negative things, right? And, and, uh, and I don't focus and, and see any negative things, and I just pretend that there are no bad things or no negative things going on, and I just say only positive thoughts. And again, positive thinking is not wrong. In fact, we could argue uh, that that is biblical, um, but denying the reality of pain, denying the reality of difficulty is not biblical. And I don't know about you, but I've tried all these things, right? And I have found them lacking, which is why I identified with what he wrote. But see, uh, joy is not found in power or potential and productivity or any of that stuff. Joy is found not in these P's, but in another P, the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where true joy is found. And Paul is going to navigate this with us. And listen, um, we need to remember that as Christians, we should be the most joyful people in the world, right? Uh, Because God himself is a God who is filled with joy. He is the most joyful being in the world. God is not a grumpy man upstairs, you know, stomping around, you know, uh, throwing lightning bolts at people. He is filled with joy. Uh, sometimes we need to correct our, our picture of God in our heads, right? Uh, you know, we, we tend to just, if we're honest, think God is kind of boring, kind of stale, all that sort of stuff. Um, let's look at some of the typical artwork that we see throughout the centuries and throughout our times, right? This is a typical uh, Greek Orthodox picture of Jesus, and it's, it's, it's very awe-inspiring. It's very magnificent, but look at his face. Jesus doesn't look very joyful, does he? Um, the next one there, um, this is actually Korean Jesus, and, um, and he is rescuing Peter you know, from the boat there. But again, um, wonderful cultural depiction of Jesus, but notice his face. He doesn't look very joyful. Uh, let's see the next one we have there. Um, I like to call this Baptist Jesus, um, but I heard somebody else call it the Puerto Rican Jesus because they said in every Puerto Rican home, you got one of these. And I, I feel like I've seen them in every Baptist Sunday school class I've ever been in. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and, and again, very dignified, um, all that sort of stuff, but definitely not what I would consider joyful. Uh, then there is uh, the Catholic Jesus, and if you have a Catholic background, uh, you may have seen this. And again, uh, all inspiring, very holy. Uh, not exactly sure what the two finger, like half peace sign is. Never understood that. Maybe someone else who knows history better than me can explain that. Um, but again, not a very joyful Jesus. But then um, I found, uh, oh yeah, this was another one. Uh, and uh, this is uh, African Jesus found uh, in many of the ancient African. Uh, churches. And uh, again, it's a good reminder that as the early church spread, it was in the Middle East and they went to North Africa very quickly. And so some of the oldest churches in the world are found uh, in Africa. The Coptic Christians have been around for centuries. And so they have this depiction of Jesus again, uh, uh, amazing cultural depiction, however, still very stoic, right? Still very stern. Um, And then I found this one. And this one really kind of took me by surprise. It's actually called the laughing Jesus. And, and this one just gives sort of a different feel. It's like, man, can you really picture Jesus laughing? Can you picture Jesus having a good time? Do we have this idea that God is in heaven and he laughs? And that, and that listen, you have a sense of humor. I have a sense of humor, right? And where did that come from? That came from God. We are made in his image. And so I would even argue our sense of humor is probably tiny compared to God's sense of humor. He is the best joke teller. In fact, it was uh, Brother Mike, who's uh, back there uh, in, in the booth with Joey, uh, who told me about, uh, during the pandemic, about this show that was on, online uh, called The Chosen. 
Um, and uh, it's about the disciples, a fantastic show. If you haven't watched it, check it out. It's online or it's free somewhere. I don't know. Um, the Chosen. And it is an amazing series. I think eight episodes or so, uh, maybe more uh, about Jesus. But I think one of the things I appreciate about that, uh, I mean, amongst the the, the, the beautiful imagery and, and the complexity they've done with the Bible stories and the freshness they've done some of the Bible stories is that Jesus laughs in there and he plays jokes on the disciples. I mean, he is enjoying himself. And that's just so what we need to be refreshed of is that God is a joyful God. Amen. So therefore, we need to be reminded that, listen, stay with me now. Don't fall asleep. You got an extra hour, right? Right? You got an extra hour or is it nap time already? That's what somebody said earlier before the service. Like, it's already nap time now. We're used to the service being over right about now. And um, Or some of you stayed up late. That's what I did. I squandered my hour last night. I was like, oh, I got an extra hour. I'll just stay up later. And, um, and so, but listen to me now. The closer you are to Jesus, who is joyful, the more filled with joy you and I should be, right? And our union with Christ should continue to produce more and more joy in us. Amen? And so let's see what, what Paul says here. We'll work our way through the text. And, um, and I wanted to see what joy uh, Paul is experiencing as he's writing from jail. And he's even going to talk about some of his difficulties here in these uh, verses. Uh, but point number one is this. Joy is found in advancing the gospel. Joy is found in advancing the gospel. Paul is going to talk about how the gospel is continuing to move despite what is happening to him. Despite him being chained up. Despite him being imprisoned that the gospel is still on the move. And in that, we can rejoice. Because look, we're on the winning team. When your team is winning, you can rejoice because you know you're on the winning side. Look with me at verse 12. I love what he says here, right? Verse 12, Philippians 1. Everybody got it? Yes? Amen? Okay. One person said amen. One person has it. Verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, I want you to know something. I want you to know that what has happened to me, Paul being thrown in prison, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Let's just hang right there for a second. What has happened to me has what? Served a greater purpose. See, we tend to think that things happen to us and they're random. We forget sometimes that what happens to us is serving a higher and a greater purpose. Amen. So what has happened to you in your life, sir or ma'am or young person, is not an accident. God is going to use what has happened to you when you're five or when you're 12 or when you're 52 or 72 or 82. God is going to use what has happened to you to serve his sovereign agenda. And he will turn all those things that Satan meant for evil, he will turn them for good if we continue to trust him and we walk with him. What has happened to me actually serves a greater purpose. So nothing happens to your eye that doesn't go through first the hand and the fingers of God. And he will turn those things. I'm not saying what has happened to you is good, but it will serve a greater purpose. We tend to say what has happened to me has ruined my plans, right? What has happened during the last seven to eight months since March has totally ruined my plans, right? Has ruined my five-year plan, has ruined my, my money. What has happened to me has ruined uh, my vacation plans. What has happened to me has ruined my social life. What has happened to me has ruined my dating life. I don't know if anybody in here is looking to improve their dating life during the quarantine. But, um, you know, um, I mean, you know, we, that's what we say, right? What has happened to me is this, and it has ruined something. But Paul says, no, 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 I still have joy because what has happened to me is still serving to advance the gospel. And that is so encouraging. 
Now somebody says, what is the gospel? And I think a, a simple definition of the gospel is this, right? I mean, we tend to say the gospel every week, right? Um, and, and we say it's, you know, receiving God's love, but the gospel is, in its essence, the good news. It is good news and good news of great joy. And that's what it says as we prepare for Christmas. And, uh, but the gospel, I think, is a simple definition is this. Um, the good news that God's kingdom has come near in Jesus Christ and that through his death, resurrection and ascensions, ascension, the powers of sin and death no longer have the last word. Listen to me now. The gospel is the good news that the kingdom of God has arrived and has come near in the person of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, resurrection and ascension. Listen to me. The powers of sin and death no longer have the last word. One of our brothers, Mr. Joe Littles, went home to be with the Lord just this week. It has caught us and his family really by surprise, you know, uh, and it was heartbreaking. But our hope is in the gospel, right? As we think about the power of sin and death no longer has a hold and sway on our brother Joe. And, and, and that, that family is going to grieve and they're going to go through a difficult. And we as a church, family, we're going to be grieving. But listen to me now. It no longer has the last word. That's not the last word. The last word, it comes from Jesus who defeated the grave. And so listen, we can rejoice because the gospel is advancing. Most likely, Paul here is chained to some guards. And so not only is he saying the gospel is advancing all across the world, and the beautiful thing is here, listen, Paul is saying, listen, I'm in chains, but you can't chain the gospel. I might be locked up. But God is still on the move. And listen, how have we seen that in such amazing ways? We haven't gathered as a church, you know, uh, since March. But the gospel didn't stop. You guys continued to advance the gospel. God continued to advance the gospel. Again, you see from videos, and we have all kinds of other people uh, talking to us from different states that we never anticipated uh, because we didn't have an online presence. And now we have people regularly watching from Pennsylvania, people regularly watching in this community. I was with my neighbors last night, and um, and a guy I don't really typically talk to a whole lot. He lives over, I was telling this story earlier, uh, he lives over in a different cul-de-sac, and he said, yeah, man, I saw you on YouTube. And I was like, how did you see me on YouTube? <laughs> and he was like, I, you know, I was, it came up, and I saw your service. And I was like, well, praise God, man. And so we had a full-on conversation, you know, about what does that mean, and how can they get connected to church, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, I don't even hardly know this guy. And somehow he, he got connected with us on YouTube. And, and we never would have uh, foreseen that. The gospel is still advancing. Paul saying, I might be in chains, but you can't stop God. Amen. And so he says, I rejoice in that. I have joy because of that. But not only is the gospel advancing all around Paul, Paul says, listen, the gospel is advancing with me. And right here, I'm at, even though I'm in jail, God has given me a different ministry. Look at verse uh, 13 and 14. Notice what he says. Verse 13 and 14, he says this. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Check that out. It has become known throughout the, the whole imperial guard. And then he says, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The whole imperial guard. He's saying, listen, right here, Paul is most likely chained to some guards. Some Bible scholars say he's chained to guards in four-hour shifts, we might say Paul had a captive audience, couldn't we? <laughs> Literally captive audience. 
And he's saying, what is better than this? This guy's chained to me for four hours. He can't go anywhere. And I'm just preaching to him the gospel and telling him the good news about Jesus. But he says this, it's starting to spread throughout the whole imperial guard or the palace guard. And, and this is the amazing thing. Most Bible scholars tell us that when Paul wrote this, he was, he was in prison several times. Um, but most believe that this imprisonment that he's writing here uh, about is his Rome imprisonment. And Rome is the epicenter, right? I mean, uh, the, the, the Jesus started in, in Nazareth, right? And, uh, and preached in Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee. And then all of a sudden the gospel starts exploding. And Paul takes it. And uh, Philippi is the first church in Europe. I mean, but now all of a sudden Paul is thrust into the heart of the empire. He is now in Rome. How did he get to Rome? He couldn't even plan to go to Rome. But God brought him to Rome through his imprisonment. And now he's not just anywhere in Rome. He is with the palace or the imperial guard. This is like the secret service for the president, right? The imperial guard, Bible scholars tell us, are, are an elite group of soldiers. These just aren't any old soldiers, any old guard. This is the imperial guard. And so Bible scholars say they're also known as the Praetorian Guard, a group of about 10,000 specially selected soldiers around. They had unusual privileges, often double pay, and they could get away with things. In fact, at some points in history, history, the imperial guard became so powerful, their power rivaled the emperor. And the emperors, in order to keep the peace, would often have to bribe the imperial guard because, of course, they had the weapons, right? And, uh, and, and to keep them from overthrowing the emperor, they had to kind of bow to the imperial guard. And here is Paul chained to me saying, listen, it has become known through the whole imperial guard. These thousands of soldiers now hear the gospel right in the heart. And let me tell you this, you know, I mean, these, these strong fighting men are hearing the gospel and how that begins to impact Roman culture. Um, and, and then notice also what it says there after that. It says, and all the rest. Go back one slide. Sorry, Brother Mike. Um, so that verse, and all the rest. I don't know what all the rest means. <laughs> Does that mean everyone in the palace? Does that mean these guards were not spreading it throughout the palace and that was uh, eventually affecting the emperors? I mean, I mean, does that mean the whole city of Rome? I don't know what that means. But later on uh, in chapter four of Philippians, he will, he will give a, a mark of gratitude and greetings to all those who are in Caesar's household. And so we know this, somehow the gospel spread and it got right into Caesar's household. And God planted Christians there all because of what had happened to Paul going to prison. And actually, before that, it was a shipwreck. If you've read the book of Acts, you know that Paul was shipwrecked. His boat, you know, almost, you know, I mean, it, it did capsize and they had to swim and went to an island. He got bit by a snake. It was crazy series of events. He's saying what has happened to me has really served a greater purpose. Can I remind you what has happened to you has served a greater purpose? And if you will work with God and you will, will continue to submit to him, he will allow the gospel to advance through you, even through your difficulties. I tell you what, one of the things I'm so blessed with as a pastor is to see so many of our saints and especially some of our senior saints who they bless me because they're going through hard times. I'm, I'm visiting the Sheldons in hospitals and I'm hearing them tell the story of, yep, pastor, I'm here and I'm in pain and this is hard. But you know what? I got to talk to my nurse. It was 3 a.m., and I talked to my nurse about Jesus. That's a divine appointment that God had set up there. I got to talk to my doctor about Jesus. And, and so a life is bigger than just us and what is happening to me. God has 
reminding us that we have joy when, when we remember the big picture and we remember that what is happening to us is really always seeking to advance the gospel. And so could you remember that? The question is, are you advancing the gospel? Are you being like Paul? Taking what has happened to you, the, the, the hard times, and are you using that to point people to Jesus? On your team, in your class, in the grocery store. I know some of our Joy Fellowship ladies were doing such an awesome job. And, um, you know, we had the mask and sanitizer giveaway. and We still have many um, packets available. And um, if I think there are some in the back if you want to take some. And one of the ladies said, I keep it in my car. And, and when God tells me, I just give them to somebody else, right? And, and I believe Miss Caroline said right after she got one, she just saw this lady in Walmart parking lot. She's like, I just wanted to give this to you from my church. You know, and, and that's a, a small step to advance the gospel. Amen. Could you say what has happened to me, even in my difficulty, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel? Too many Christians, though, we lack joy. Well, because all we do is we sit and we soak up. And if all you do is sit and soak up, you will eventually sour. Right? You can't just sit in Bible study. You can't just sit in church and soak it all up. You have got to exercise your spiritual muscles. And you exercise your spiritual muscles when you take those steps of faith and you advance the gospel in those small ways and you serve others. You do a kind deed for others and you let them know Jesus loves them. That's how you advance the gospel. I like to say that the gospel is kind of the anti-coronavirus, the anti coronavirus. Isn't it amazing how our whole vocabulary has has expanded now to include things like flatten the curve, you know, um, um, you know, words we never, social distancing, whoever heard of social distancing or physical distancing or safe distancing, we never heard of that. And now it's just common language, right? And, um, and, uh, and another word, a good SAT word for, you know, people preparing for the SATs, or if anybody wants to go back and retake your SATs, this is a good word for you. Uh, you've heard Dr. Fauci and many others in the medical community use the word transmissibility, transmissibility. That, that refers to how easily a, a germ or a virus is transferred from person to person. It has a high transmissibility rate. And what they say is just a droplet, right? Just a droplet. The droplets that come out of our mouths contain the virus. And just a droplet is enough to impact somebody and change their life forever negatively. Just one droplet, which is why we're wearing masks and why that's helpful because that reduces the amount of droplets. Praise God, and we should be wearing them. But I'm just here to let you know, man, the gospel has a high transmissibility rate. Amen. And just one droplet of the grace of God ooh, has the power to change someone's life for good, for eternity. Just one drop of his grace has the power to change someone's life for the good. Just one drop of his blood as we celebrate communion today in the Lord's Supper, just one drop of his blood has power to wipe away the sins of all humanity. Just one drop. Ooh, the anti-coronavirus, amen? Oh man, let's spread that, right? Let's keep our germs to ourselves, but let's advance the gospel, amen? Just one drop, just one word. And so give someone a word of hope. Give them a, a Jesus loves you. Remind them of who they are. And I know there are there are um, some poor ways to advance the gospel, too. And, and I know I have done that. I have participated in those poor ways sometimes. When I became a Christian, you know, when you're a new Christian, uh, you know, 18, 19, you're, you're just zealous. You're just ready to tell everybody in the whole world about Jesus. And sometimes in your zeal, you're a little foolish, right? And so I remember 
um, crafting this email. Not like a short, nice email. This was back in the days when email was new and people you know, read it. We didn't get 5,000 emails a day and, and you know, 4,000 went to spam. We still had to read 1,000. You just oh, forget that. I'm not reading those. You know? um, and, um, and I had typed out this email to my close friends, to my family and, and my coworkers. But not just a couple paragraphs. I'm talking like five-page email, right? You know, and probably not double-spaced, just hard to read. And, and, and I just wanted to tell them how much sinners they were and that they're all going to hell. And, and, and I just had to let them know that they were all these wicked sinners and they were going to hell. Right? I was typing that email because I thought, this is how I got to advance the gospel. Right? In my zeal, I was probably a little bit foolish there. And, um, and I remember hitting that send button, you know, and just feeling like, you know, fireworks exploded behind me, you know, like I'm walking like a, a James Bond or somebody. Just, you know, I sent this email and I was advancing the gospel. Right. And, um, and listen, there are sometimes some foolish ways to advance the gospel. Um, but advancing the gospel really is, is us being humble. Right. As Pastor Lee, my pastor used to say that, listen, advancing the gospel is is about one beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. You just come in humility and say, listen, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything, but Jesus has changed my life. I just want to let you know, coworker. I just want to let you know, son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter. Jesus can change your life. Just trust him. Just reach out to him. Just give them a word of hope. Give them a droplet of his grace and his love. Don't come at them with all the wrong stuff they're doing. Right? Let the Lord handle that. Guess what? I know everybody in this room, and I really don't think God has called each of you or me to be the Holy Spirit. Right? If your name is the Holy Spirit, see me afterwards. We have some work for you to do here, right? Don't try to be the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. Let God be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment. Your job is just to preach the gospel, and gospel means good news. Now, that doesn't mean we bypass the fact that people are sinful and that sin is real and that sin requires judgment. It absolutely does. We just don't always, sometimes we just get stuck in that area instead of getting to the good news. You need both, amen? And so advance the gospel. And so let's remind folks of that. I love what uh, theologian David Fitch said. I think we have this quote, and we may throw it on the screen there. We might have to scoot ahead there. But uh, David Fitch says this. He says this is, is proclaiming the gospel. Are you hopeless? That's a question for your neighbors, for your grandchildren, for your coworkers. Are you hopeless? Are you caught in a world gone wrong? Have you become caught up in sin? Are you powerless? Are you being destroyed by the world, by injustice? The gospel is the good news that God has come in Jesus Christ and defeated all those powers. And listen, some of us feel that way, and I know our communities feel that way. As I talked to my neighbors last night, man, I could tell the weight of the world was upon them, and they are feeling powerless. They are feeling hopeless. They are caught in sin. And we get to say that and say, listen, it's good news. Christ wants to be near you. Christ wants to forgive you. He loves you. And so let's advance the gospel. Amen. And so advancing the gospel means participating with him. And so are we doing that? And listen, when you do, listen, I know it's scary. It's scary for me too. Right? Amen. It's scary. But you get filled with joy when you take that step of faith and you advance the gospel. There is no joy greater than living a life on the edge of adventure. <laughs> of sharing the greatest story ever known, of letting people know you can be free from the powers of sin and death because sin and death are ravaging our world. And we get to say, hey, look, 
there's a bright spot. Let me tell you about it. There is hope out of all this. Listen, and, and the election's not going to fix it this week. There is a hope greater than that. And let me tell you about Jesus. I found him. He is looking for you too. Amen. So joy comes from advancing the gospel. Number two, and this will be the last point, so you can be encouraged. Uh, one of the ladies back there working with the children's ministry said, you got to finish early. I said, hey, it's COVID time. We always finish early. And she said, i got a football game to get to. Um, but now I can uh, tell her that um, it was Donnie's fault with the video. And um, I'll just blame it on him. Joy is found in not being the center. Amen. Joy is found in not emphasize the word not being the center. You and I, we reduce our joy when we try to be the center of attention. We try to uh, be at the center. And Paul is saying, listen, I don't have to be at the center. I don't have to be in the limelight. I don't have to get all the accolades and all the attention. And let me tell you what, that produces a whole lot of joy. The, the next part of the passage is a little bit confusing because people don't really know what he's talking about. And I think Paul here just shows us so much maturity, uh, maturity for all of us to look up to. Look with me at the text here. In verses 15, he says this. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. So there are apparently other leaders preaching Christ from bad motives, right? They're, listen, they're advancing the true gospel. They've got the right message. They just got the wrong heart. And we don't know exactly why this is. Some preach Christ out of envy, envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Verse 16, the latter do so out of love, right? I, I thank God that they're preaching from a position of goodwill. Knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17, but the former, these people with bad motives, um, the former proclaim, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. And again, scholars debate about what this could mean, but apparently people thought that preaching this gospel, even though they didn't necessarily have it in their heart or whatever, they knew the true word, they thought, well, let's cause more trouble for Paul, Paul by preaching this, and, and we'll see how it impacts him. Again, I don't understand why they'd want to do that, but uh, God can use anything. He can use a donkey. He can use me. He can use you. Uh, and if and listen, if we don't participate with God in advancing the gospel, the Bible says the rocks will cry out. And uh, man, you don't want the rocks getting all the joy, right? Um, I mean, geez, take some joy. Advance the gospel. And he says, listen, but I don't have to be at the center. Notice what he says here. This is the last verse, verse 18. What then? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, in that, in, in what? In that, that, that is that Christ is proclaimed, that the gospel is advancing. I rejoice. Yes, and I will, or I will continue to rejoice. Why? Because the gospel is advancing and I don't even have to be at the center of it. I don't even have to be in the middle of it. I'm just chained here. I'm just doing what God has called me to do. I used to be this missionary globe trotting and doing all stuff, but right now I'm in jail and I'm rejoicing. And these guys are trying to cause more problems for me. I don't even have to be in the center. I don't have to be in the limelight. I don't have to get all the accolades and the attention. I don't need everyone's well wishes. I don't even have to get the credit. My name doesn't have to be on the bulletin because it's so much better to step out of the center and let Christ be the center. Oh man, the song I, I love and my kids, uh, it's a, a, a rap song by an artist named McCray says, I can play the background. And he says, I, I, I just want to be in the background because I know that sometimes I get in the way, but you take lead. And, uh, and he's like, I don't want the star in role, but, but I just want to play the background. Let Christ be in the limelight and let me fade to the background. But you know what? We, we as human beings, we like to be noticed, right? This past weekend, you know, I had the 
the responsibility to clean the bathroom. And, um, you know, it happens at my house and, and, uh, and my wife works hard and tirelessly every day, all day, cleaning, homeschooling kids, preparing meals, being amazing. I mean, just hands down beats me at work any day of the week, uh, every day. And, um, and, 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 you know, and every once in a while I'll help out. Right. And I'll, I'll do some cleaning. Um, notice I said the word every once in a while. Um, and, uh, and so I'll get to do some cleaning, but, but what I want to do the once or twice I clean, right. Is I want to, you know, polish up the stuff and then, and then I'm, you know, I'm, my wife is busy and she's taking care of kids. She's doing this other stuff. And I'm kind of like, Hey, um, you want to come over here? Did you see the bath? Did you see the bathroom? <clears throat> you see how shiny it looks? You know, right. hey, I, I unclogged the the drain. I put the draino in. Yeah, yeah, you know, four days later, right? I'm like, hey, did you see the drain? Hey, hey, did you see the drain? Thanks, babe. Thanks. You know, and and I'm and I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm like over here, like, hey, check out how shiny the the shower is now. Did didn't I do good, right? You know, I mean, we just want accolades, right? We want someone to notice, you know, and days later that, and, uh, and, and a man especially, we're guilty of this. And I heard one lady say, yeah, uh, you know, talking about that big orange, you know, uh, sign that's out in the road that says men working. And lady was like, yeah, men are the only people in the world that have to paint this humongous sign and say and announce to the entire world that they're working. Like you get a gold star because you're working. Woo. All right. Good job. Go way to go, man. You know? And uh, I mean, but that's just that's just human nature. Right. And uh, and and listen, that's just how we're wired to want to get the accolades, to get the pat on the back and all that stuff. But listen, it can start to turn. It can start to become an idol. It crosses a line where we start to become codependent upon people's packing, patting us on the back. We start to become codependent upon their words of affirmation. And and uh, and if we don't have those, all of a sudden we feel like, you know, we're we lose our joy. Right. And, and listen, if we let Christ be in the center and we're content to play the background, then we continue to have that joy. Joy is found in not being at the center. And Paul says, I rejoice. Amen. I'm, I'm rejoicing. So I don't need your approval. I have God's approval. I don't need your kind words of affirmation because I have God's words. I know what God says. It doesn't matter what you say. Um, and so listen, that's where the position we need to be. And so if you and I want joy, amen, it's not going to be found in power. It's not going to be found in being productive in what we produce. It's not going to be found in pleasure. It's not going to be found in perspective, but it's only going to be found in the person, amen, of Jesus Christ. And listen, you, your joy is going to be directly impacted by your union, your relationship with Jesus. He is so filled with joy. The closer you and I get to him, the more we will be filled with joy. So as we come to this time for the Lord's table, I ask my brother Justin to come on up here as we want to take a few moments, first of all, to prepare our hearts. Because the Bible tells us we need to prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. It says don't, don't, don't take of it or partake of it in an unworthy manner. That doesn't mean that we have to be sinless, but that does mean we need to take some time to confess our sins, that we need to take some time to be still before the Lord. And so I want us to have that opportunity just to be still. And um, if, if you want to uh, grab this and maybe just hold it while you're praying, we're going to have a few moments of quiet prayer. And uh, as you think about his body and his blood, sometimes I just find it helpful to hold it. And if some of you need a little extra time to open it, right, because I know it can be a little difficult to open, you know, 
you, you could start that. Getting the, the bread out is usually the, the toughest part. It's easy to get the, the juice, but the, the bread is a little difficult. If you need help from a neighbor who you know or you trust or you can sanitize afterwards, you know, you can ask them. And if you're still stuck like I am, you can pray to the Lord for grace that you won't just bite through the whole thing and attack it like Cookie Monster. All right, so hopefully you had a chance to get that open. And um, let's take a few moments just to bow our heads and have a conversation with God wherever you're at. And as we do that, I want you to know that communion is for Christians. Communion is for Christians. If you're in this room and you haven't yet become a Christian, you haven't said yes to Jesus, you haven't stepped across that line, well then, hold off. Don't take communion because communion means absolutely nothing to you. We have something better. As I said before, all of us are beggars. Showing another beggar where the bread is. We have the true bread for you. We have the true blood of Christ, the true juice that gives joy that never ends. And so just hold off till the end of service if that's you, and, and we want to help you receive Christ in just a few moments. And um, nobody's going to judge you, nothing like that, so don't worry about it. Get the real thing. Get the real forgiveness of your sins. This is just a symbolic reminder. This cracker and this juice is a symbolic reminder of the body and the blood of Christ, which has taken away our sins already. But it's a reminder. For you, if you're not a Christian yet, you need the real thing. You need true forgiveness, and you can get that. And again, in just a few moments, we want to help you. But for the rest of us, just taking some time to pray silently. And maybe you've been seeking joy in other places. Maybe you're caught up in the pandemic. Maybe you're caught up in what happened to you, your circumstances. And you need to rejoice that the gospel is advancing, that you're on the winning team. Maybe you've been caught up in the approval of others, seeking the approval of others instead of seeking God's approval. Maybe you just want to confess that. Maybe it's just your attitude. I don't know. You know what you need to confess before the Lord, and I just want to give you a few moments to do that. Father, we come to you admitting our sin and our guilt. And you've told us in your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, that comes only from Christ, not from a wafer or a cup, but only from you, God. We come to you for cleansing. So God, search our hearts. See if there's any wicked way in us, Lord. And we confess known sins to you, Jesus, in this time. And Lord, for sins that, that perhaps we don't necessarily remember about, God, we confess those, Lord. The sins of omission, things that we just didn't realize, Lord. 
Thank you for the blood of Christ. Thank you for the promise of forgiveness found in the cross. Father, lead us in this time. We are frail. We are weak. We seek joy in so many other places. But God, thank you for the true joy found in Christ. That's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, I'd like for you to take the wafer and just hold it in your hand here. And I want to just remind you that uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that on the, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And this bread symbolically reminds us of the body of Christ, broken for us. And he said this. When he had given thanks, he broke and he says, this is my body, which is for you. It's for you. It's for me. It's for everybody that would receive. And he said this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. And if you'll prepare the juice there without spilling it all over yourself. Bible also says in 1 Corinthians, it says this, in the same way he took the cup and after supper, he said this, this cup is the new covenant, the new covenant, the new agreement. All right? Aren't you so grateful for that? It says this, the new covenant in my blood. A new agreement, signed, sealed, and delivered by a pen filled with the blood of Christ. He signed it in his own blood saying, I will promise to love you. I will promise to never leave you nor forsake you. No matter how wicked, no matter how selfish, no matter how many other places you seek joy, this is my covenant. And God is not moving from that covenant. Aren't you thankful for the faithfulness of God? So he says, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And it says this, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take it together, family. You're welcome to take that with you and uh, deposit in a trash can as you leave today. I want to take this time before we... um, move into our response time, knowing that as we prepare to sing this next song, it's a time for all of us to respond. Maybe you're just going to sing loud. Maybe you're going to sing quietly. Stand, sit. Again, if you need prayer and you want to come here and you just need to kneel before the Lord. If you would like uh, myself or some of our leaders to pray for you, we ask that you wait till the end and we'll be in the back to speak to you. That way we can speak without spreading droplets and having to yell over the music. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, though, just to Search your heart and let's sing loud and let's pray ferociously for the gospel to advance and rejoice in that. Amen. And if you're here today and you you haven't said yes to Christ again, you may have been in church a hundred times and you haven't ever said yes to Christ because you've been holding off on the gospel for whatever your reasons are. We want to invite you to follow him. So let's take a moment to pray here. And I'm speaking directly to that person Uh, with heads bowed and eyes closed, who hasn't yet stepped across the line, who hasn't yet said yes to Jesus. But listen, power or position or productivity or pleasure, they will never fill you, but you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been thinking of Jesus as someone who is grumpy. 
not filled with joy. And you needed to be reminded that God is filled with joy. Maybe you've been thinking that what has happened to me, you've been blaming God for instead of realizing that God is going to use what has happened to you to advance good. I don't know if that's your story, but I just want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You've never publicly received Christ. And again, you don't just slip into becoming a Christian. It's a it's a response that you make to God's calling. No one is born a Christian. People are born in a Taco Bell. doesn't make them a, a burrito. You might have been coming to church since the day you were born. doesn't make you a Christian. That's a response you have to make. And I want to give you this opportunity. You can repeat this prayer after me. It's not magic, but it would give you the opportunity to receive Christ. You might want to say this in the quietness of your heart. Lord Jesus, just say that in the quietness of your heart. Lord Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. I admit that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I believe that you rose again. And Jesus, I want to seek my joy in you alone. Jesus, I want to seek my joy in you alone. And God, I'm giving up power and pleasure. And I want you more than I want anything else. Giving up power and pleasure, I want you more than I want anything else. Right now is best I know how. Right now is best I know how. I give you my life. I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please let us know on your connection card. We'd love to help you. Again, you may have been in church for 100 years. We want to celebrate your new birth. We want to celebrate what God has done in your life. There's no shame in that. We want to rejoice that the gospel is advancing. Amen. Church family, let's stand together.